Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. is up fight fans another week in the boxing world another week of inside boxing live i am your host dan canobio riding solo on this episode because there is a lot to get to canelo alvarez and caleb plant that fight is on we got purse bids we got tfimo lopez and george camposos finally having a fight date we got jake paul and i have some thoughts on what his fight means for boxing and what it means uh what he's doing that i like but all things start with Manny Pacquiao and your Dennis Ugas, it is still the biggest story in the sport because whenever Manny Pacquiao steps into the ring, it is a big deal, not just for the boxing world, but for the sports world. And when he loses a fight, it is a very big deal. A lot of the conversation has been about whether Pacquiao is going to retire, what is his career, what is his legacy, and rightfully so. I mean, the guy's one of the biggest names in the sport, but I want to give some credit to your Dennis Ugas for how he beat Manny Pacquiao taking the fight on 11 days notice. I understand it's also short notice for, for Pacquiao. It's an advantage for both guys, but this is totally different for your Dennis Ugas than it was for Manny Pacquiao. This is the biggest fight of his career is going up against a legend and a guy that was still considered top three in the division. And he was able to go in there and neutralize Manny Pacquiao. Pacquiao threw 800 punches, which is hats off to him. It just shows you how game and how much he wanted to win this fight but he only landed 16%. That's a career low. And what did Ugas do in there? He, he fought behind his jab, and when he threw a right hand, he landed it. 59% power connect rate for your Dennis Ugas. That is the most ever on a Manny, as a Manny Pacquiao opponent. That right there says it all. Ugas could not miss with the right hand, and Pacquiao simply couldn't land. Later on, he would tell Fox Sports they didn't have his legs, and if you had two eyes, you could see that Pacquiao did not have two legs in that fight. I want to give the credit to Ugas because a lot of the, the, the conversation now is immediately going to Pacquiao and is he going to fight again? And, and what's next for Pacquiao? Is he going to be the president of the Philippines? How about we give credit to Ugas because now he is a legitimate top three guy in the welterweight division with Spence on the shelf indefinitely. He edges right up to the top with Terrence Crawford and Sean Porter. We're going to have more on them in a little bit. So hats off to Ugas. He's the American dream. He defected here from Cuba. It took him a lot of attempts. He nearly retired in 2014 when he had two consecutive losses before linking up with now Yankees closer, Aroldis uh, um, Ar- Chapman, who is a good friend of his from Cuba, financed his training, linked up with a new trainer, reeled off 12 of 13 wins, could have been 13 of 13 if you had him beating uh, Sean Porter in a razor-thin uh, decision. Now over to Manny Pacquiao. I had hesitant feelings about this fight. I had mixed emotions about Pacquiao fighting Thurman. Thought he should have retired before that. Definitely thought he should have retired after the Thurman win. You know, COVID should have been a message to him to hang it up and you can go out on top. But we've seen this story numerous times in boxing. When has a fighter stepped away at the right time? You know, there's, you can count on one hand the guys that have walked away intact with their championship, their perfect record, uh, you know, with a win. Lennox Lewis, Joe Calzaghe. I know I'm missing more, but, uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather. Uh, there's a, it's a very, very short list of guys going out on top. Pacquiao could go out on top. This could be his going out on top because he didn't get knocked down. He didn't get knocked out. 
He didn't uh, have to go to the hospital after the fight. He was able to walk off on his own accord. He was able to get, deliver a post-fight speech that was great. This could be his goodbye, and it should be. But the more and more I separate myself from this fight, the more the days go by, the more I think he's going to come back. You know, what's stopping him from fighting Conor McGregor a year from now when McGregor uh, comes back from his foot injury? It could be a quote-unquote fight that Pacquiao could win, gets that golden parachute retirement fund that he's been searching because McGregor was the guy he wanted all along. Did not want to fight Spence. That's the thing is I don't think that Pacquiao was in it for the right reasons. Everyone, you know, gushing over him, that's fine, and that's, that's great. But the last couple of years of him sticking around is the negative, the stereotypical, you know, black eye of, of boxing. Maybe I'm being a little too harsh, but when, you know, non-boxing fan friends of mine say, Pacquiao's still fighting? Oh, my God, like, what, is he broke? It's just another one of those stories, and Pacquiao has the chance, if he's smart, to step away on top. Even though he lost, it was a great performance. He has a chance to buck that trend and stop that stereotype right here uh, in its tracks. If that was Spence in the ring, that was Crawford in the ring, it would have got ugly. Ugas doesn't throw a lot of punches. If he stepped on the gas, he could have got Pacquiao out of there uh, in the sixth or seventh round. Pacquiao has a chance to buck the trend. He has a chance to go off into retirement, be a legend, be an ambassador of the sport. That is my rant. Coming up next, more on Inside Boxing Live. Late last week, Canelo Alvarez made it official that he's stepping back into the ring November 6th against Caleb Plant on Fox Pay-Per-View, a fight for all the belts at 168 pounds. Cooler heads prevailed. A deal was able to be made between Team Canelo and PBC. Canelo gets paid handsomely. Caleb Plant gets paid handsomely. And this is when things get fun. First, breaking down the actual fight inside of the ring. Uh, for a number of reasons why I like this fight, it's, it's Canelo is going after history. I love a good storyline. I love a good narrative. In every interview that Canelo has done over, the, I would say, the last 18 months or so, he's talked about how he wants to be undisputed at 168 pounds. Legacy-defining fights are what's most important to Canelo Alvarez at this point since he went up to 175 to beat Canelo in the fourth weight class, went back down to 168, and he's going to clear it out, or he looks to clear it out against a Caleb plant. So I love the history aspect of this fight. As for what's going to happen inside of the ring, do I think it's going to be a fun and competitive fight? Yes. Do I think that Caleb plant has the tools to make this a fun fight for the first six rounds? Yes. He's in his prime. Uh, he possesses a lot of skills, quick twitch skills on defense and offense that can give Canelo problems for those first 18 minutes. It's those remaining 18 minutes. It's those final six rounds that I just don't think that Caleb Plant has the two things that you need to defeat Canelo Alvarez. That's volume and that's power. Plant only throws 50 punches around, which is below the weight class average. He only has one knockout in his last six fights. He fought Caleb Truax in his last fight, uh, was not able to knock him down. was not able to knock him out. Had a, you, know, you said he had a hand injury in that one. I don't think that Plant has the God-given skills to dethrone Canelo Alvarez, a fighter who is peaking uh, right now, who is very good defensively, who has the power, who walks that tightrope, throwing less than 40 punches around, but still has that knockout power. This one has Canelo in a unanimous decision written all over it. Now, the other fun aspect of this is the, the business side. And if you're, I know a lot of fans are into the business side of things, Canelo back on pay-per-view for the first time 
uh, since the Golovkin fights uh, in 2017-2018, I believe. Yes. Those fights did well, did over a million homes. But as we know, the pay-per-view market is very different now. Canelo has spent the last couple of years fighting on the zone. Uh, they don't let you know how many views it has. They don't let you know how many subscribers uh, it has built. But we're going to see now what Canelo is worth. We're going to see how big that star power is, that he is at the peak of his powers. He's speaking English. He's everywhere. Uh, he's the biggest star in boxing by a landslide. How is this fight going to perform? The PVC now gets their tentacles into Canelo Alvarez at the height of his powers. Al Heyman could get in a room with Canelo and show him the Mayweather way. Show him how he turned Mayweather into a pay-per-view star. How can they maximize the last five to six years of Canelo's uh, career as he goes for more legacy and more history? I'm intrigued by it. Will he stick around with PBC? Because as we know, I would say that the two fights that fans most want to see Canelo in out after this planned fight are David Benavidez and Jamal Charlo. Those two fighters are under the PBC banner. Interested in that as well. The business side of this is intriguing to me because Canelo's getting paid $40 million for this. I, I believe that is the number. How many pay-per-view buys is it going to do? How does the PBC and Fox and Canelo is intriguing? How are they going to get that machine going? Uh, you, I assume we're going to see a lot of NFL stuff. We're going to see a lot of Canelo on college football. How into this will Canelo be? Because from everything I've heard is he does not like doing press. That is one thing with the zone that, that they told him, all right, you don't do any press. Uh, you don't have to go on these, these, these satellite tours and do commercials and do appearances. That was part of the deal with the zone. I don't know how that's going to work now with, with Fox and PBC, considering it's a one fight deal. I'm interested to see how this plays out. I think it's an intriguing fight. Canelo finally fights an American fighter. I know a lot of fans were, were chirping about that. He's fought some British guys, uh, you know, and, and Kovalov in his last couple of fights. It's got a lot of interesting aspects to it inside of the ring. I think it'd be a competitive fun fight uh, for the first half, the business side of things, but Canelo's back. That's important. Cause now in September, October, November, we have the biggest stars in boxing fighting on consecutive months, September. We're going to see uh, some big fights there as well between Joshua and Usyk. October Fury and Wilder. And now November Canelo and plant. That is a very good thing. Uh, for the world of boxing. Coming up next, I'm going to talk about some more fights that are being made. Some good news in the world of boxing because it has been a rough couple of weeks, but there is some good news on the horizon. We've been dealt a few bad hands as boxing fans over the last couple of weeks, whether it was postponements like Fury and Joshua, Fury and Wilder, Spence falling out, and even the WBA uh, corruption and their nonsense. So I'm going to celebrate some good news. I think we all should. I think we deserve it as boxing fans. And there was some fun news uh, announced this week on October 5th on a Tuesday. Got the club going up on a Tuesday. Teofimo Lopez and George Cambosos will finally get in a ring after six painstaking months uh, from when their fight was first announced to the purse bid heard around the world, uh, to Teofimo testing positive for COVID for a fight that was supposed to be in Miami, to the fight then being potentially moved to Australia, uh, then it's pretty sure it was Dubai, and now it settles on Madison Square Garden's Hulu Theater, a location that I thought the fight should have been all along. Teofimo has New York roots. There are a ton of Australians uh, in New York City, and it's Madison Square Garden. Uh, what can go wrong? It's also in the theater, just to be clear. <laughs> 
Tuesday night is interesting to me because there have been Tuesday night fights over on the USA Network back in the 80s and 90s, which were never fights of this stature. Uh, Ring City recently has been put fights on Thursday night. You know, the zone sometimes dabbles with a Thursday night fight. We've seen midweek fights before in the world of boxing, but none of this stature that feature a undisputed fight, all four belts being on the line in the lightweight division between a fighter, the 2020 fighter of the year, a consensus top five pound for pound guy in Tiafimo Lopez and a brash young, uh, I wouldn't say young, but brash definitely for sure, George Cambosos. Finally, this fight is happening and $20 as well. Fight TV and Triller uh, teaming up for a $20 pay-per-view on a Tuesday night, four days before Wilder Fury 3 in Vegas. That is a huge week uh, for boxing fans. I'll have you covered since the fight is here in New York. I'll be there uh, ringside. That whole week is going to be amazing in terms of big fight feels. And finally, get some momentum uh, in the, in the uh, uh, sport of boxing because desperately, desperately need it. like the idea. I also want to see how this performs. The fact that it's a $20 pay-per-view. The fact that it's a Tuesday night fight and a big fight. You know, it's all four belts on the line. Isn't, is it, you know, Tia Fimo versus Devin Haney or Ryan Garcia? No, but it's still a big fight. We're going to see Tia Fimo in the ring for the first time since uh, his huge win over Vasily Lomachenko. This fight has been in the headlines for months and months now. Finally going to get this one over with one way or another, whether it's Tia Fimo getting his hand raised, which I think is going to be the case, or Ken Bosos pulls off a massive, massive upset. How's the fight going to perform on pay-per-view? And will boxing take notice to a Tuesday night fight and will this be maybe something that can be done moving forward, putting big fights during the week so I don't have to compete with MLB, uh, NFL, college football, any other sport during the weekends? Put a big fight on Wednesday or Thursday. It's a niche sport to begin with. Let's see if there's something here. I'm interested. All eyes will be on uh, Madison Square Garden that night. Side note is that it's potentially going to go up against the Yankees wild card game. Uh, they haven't announced whether it's going to be the AL or the NL game on October 5th. The Yankees right now, as we record this, are in, have holding the first place spot. This you know, pertains to a small percentage of people watching right now that are Yankee fans. That would be me. That's a tough decision to make. I'm probably going to go to the fight uh, if the Yankees probably uh, will be in that wild card game. That's, that's a whole other story for uh, another day. The other good news, speaking of purse bids, the Tiafimo purse bid and, and Cambosos, which was probably the bigger... Biggest purse bid. I'm sure there's more big ones out there, but the most uh, biggest one recently, at least, was Tiafimo and Cambosos. But we got an even bigger one coming down the pipeline. September 2nd, the WBO purse bid between Terrence Crawford and Sean Porter is finally going to happen. Top rank and PBC were not able to hammer out a deal. And purse bids are standard, happen in boxing all the time. What is not standard is what the WBO decided to do by broadcasting the purse bid. That is just unprecedented. The WBO, first of all, I got to tip my cap to them. I'm very quick to bash judges. I'm quick to bash uh, referees, the, the nonsense in boxing, the sanctioning bodies. I did a whole freaking video on the WBA. WBO got it right by ordering this fight when they didn't have to because Porter isn't not ranked number one or whatever by WBO. They also got it right by deciding to air the purse bid. This is going to be amazing. This is going to be must-watch for the purse bid heads out there because the last one was big. The Tiafimo Cambosis one, we were following along on our phones, usually how it works. A media member will just let us know who won. Now you can go onto the w, WBO's Facebook page. If you don't have Facebook, you might want to get a burner account, and you're going to be able to watch Eddie Hearn. It's supposed to be bidding. 
uh, the PBC, probably not going to be Al Heyman, but a representative for the PBC and Bob Arum and maybe a surprise bidder are all going to step in there and they're going to lay down some money on what is a high profile fight. According to the athletic, both guys are asking for 5 million. I know that Terrence Crawford's minimum that he's been making with top rank has been around 4 million. Uh, I know that Porter has probably made five, maybe for the Spence fight, all things considered, but that is a lot. That is, this is not a $10 million fight. So I'm interested to see how much this one makes. Uh, Bob Arum doesn't seem like he's keen on making it according to some of the quotes in, in that story written by Pugmire is that you know, they're on the last, this is the last fight of Crawford's uh, contract. They haven't spoken in weeks. Oh man, it, it's rough. What goes on with Terrence Crawford, but hopefully someone jumps in, makes a good bid. We get this fight, and I think December 18th is the is the day that they're looking at uh, for, for this fight. It's a great fight. I mean, I mean, these are the welterweight division with Spence on the, on the sidelines and Pacquiao probably retiring. You know, it's getting thinner and thinner. I mean, the top names are, are these these the elder statesmen now, or the young guys. We was once the young guys of the welterweights are now getting older, and now you got Boots Ennis and you got <clears throat> Virgil Ortiz coming up, but you got you know Crawford and Spence and Porter in their mid thirties, all holding on or, you know, in their thirties holding on. So it's an interesting time in the welterweight division, interesting time for the purse bid heads out there. I'll be locked in September 2nd, some good news in boxing. We're allowed to have good news. We can celebrate something like this, even if it's as trivial as watching a purse bid on Facebook, at two in the afternoon in September. <laughs> it's a weird sport. And I love the weirdness. Finally, Jake Paul steps into the ring this weekend over on Showtime pay-per-view Sunday night. His latest victim, former UFC champion Tyrone Woodley. And I got some thoughts uh, on this fight. And if you have been following me for a while now, you know where I stand on these YouTuber fights. You know where I stand on Jake Paul. I think it's separate lane than regular boxing. It's a different form of entertainment. He's a celebrity using boxing as a vehicle to make money and he's a damn good marketer and he wins the PR battles week after week, uh, month after month. If you have an issue with this fight being <clears throat> on Showtime, they have invested in Jake Paul. They have now invested in Tommy Fury, who is fighting on the card. Maybe those two will square off. But if you're upset, like why is Showtime doing this? I would understand that your, your problem with Showtime being involved in this, if Showtime wasn't putting on great fights uh, month after month, they have probably put on the best fights this year of any platform in boxing. So Showtime's giving you everything. If you're a fan of combat sports, they're giving you Bellator, they're giving you high cha uh, championship quality boxing, they're even giving you this sideshow stuff with Jake Paul. It's a good business decision for them. It's a pay-per-view. It doesn't affect their budget, so forth and so on. Now, the thing with, with Jake Paul that lately he's starting to say some crazy things and I expect him to say crazy things. He's made a whole career. The reason he's in this position is, is crazy things he said and crazy things he's done. Bringing up Canelo Alvarez saying that you maybe fight him in five years. Ridiculous. Bringing up, you know, telling fans that I, I am today's Mike Tyson, you know, you know, kids growing up at Tyson and all the greats and Mayweather and Pacquiao. And now I'm the new that like, I, I don't, I understand why he's saying it. it's a fight week. There was a time where I liked the fact that he took the sport serious. I think he still does. I think there was a time where I liked the fact that he didn't call out the Canelos and kind of knew his lane or knew his, his, where he stood in the sport. 
as he keeps winning, gets more attention, and the pay-per-view numbers roll in, his ego is going to get inflated, and of course he's going to start, you know, calling out Canelo or th- saying that he's the best, biggest prize fighter in boxing because that's just the mentality that fighters have. He is a fighter, uh, you know, whether you like it or not. They want to be the best. They have to be the best. It's a it's a one-person sport, and you have to self-motivate. The thing that I love that Jake Paul has done over these last couple fights is it seems like he knows how to win the PR battles. He knows how to get people on his side who would never, ever root for him. He's winning over boxing fans. I see it on Twitter all the time, whether the fight with Askren, whether he was calling out Dana White, something that he still remains or still does to this day about the, the pay in the UFC, uh, something that boxing fans love to throw in the faces of MMA May fighters. Yeah, your sport's more popular, but at least we pay our guys. Uh, you know, at least they don't have to take other jobs and this, that, and the other. So the fact that you have one of the loud mouth guys, the biggest uh, names in, in entertainment and sports, whatever uh, Jake Paul is, calling out Dana White, Dana White responding, which is a win, uh, you know, talking about the fighter uh, pay in the UFC as an issue, so giving them a voice, that's good PR for, for Jake Paul because he's getting paid a lot for these fights. He's getting paid a lot more than he should uh, for a novice. He's taking away, I would, you can make a, an argument that he's taking away slots from guys that have been in the gym their whole lives and put blood, sweat, and tears into the sport. But he's doing things to make you kind of forget about it by calling out Dana White. And for this fight with Tyron Woodley, he's done something that means a lot to me uh, is taking on Amanda Serrano, making sure that she is on this card. One of the best women's fighters that you probably don't know about, but you should. She's been in the sport for a very long time. Uh, she's a knockout artist. She's got titles in like eight different divisions. She's an absolute star. And the fact that he is now being a voice for women's boxing, and let's be honest, women's boxing could use all uh, the, the notoriety it can get. So someone like Jake Paul bringing on Amanda Serrano in her home, uh, you know, hometown in puerto rico training alongside of her putting her making sure she's on the card talking about women's boxing means a lot to me because i cover women's boxing for debella and i know that debella entertainment is is happy about this women's boxing needs all the shine it can get so jake paul hopping on with women boxing whether it's genuine or not whether he's doing this now as another way to deflect from the fact that he's making a ton of money and that he probably shouldn't be fighting on these types of cards it's kind of like a gimmick type of fight but every time he fights, he brings up a, a different uh, – he champions something else, whether it's fighter pay and now it's women's boxing. So hats off to Jake Paul in that regard. It's fun. You tune in. You have a good time. As long as you know what it is. You don't, you're buying the pay-per-view. If you don't want to watch it, don't buy it. You know, Barstool Sports is going to be involved. Ariel Hawani is involved. It's fun. To me, it's just like whatever. It's just another night watching a funny fight. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people going to tune in to watch him lose. Whether he fights Tommy Fury, it's a pretty decent card, too. Daniel Dubois is on the card uh, as he makes his comeback or continues on the comeback trail. Uh, Tommy Fury is on the card. Charles Conwell's on it. Pretty good card. I'm going to be buying it. I'm going to be working it. So hats off to Jake Paul for, for uh, you know, mastering the PR game, which a lot of fighters uh, really need to do a better job of. That is the show for this week. Boxing world, we're starting to get some better news. We're starting to pick things up. September, I'm really looking forward to September. I mean, there's going to be some huge fights. You know, Stephen Fulton, Brendan Figueroa, unification bout on September 18th. Following week, you got Anthony Joshua and Usyk. I just talked about earlier. Uh, Wilder Fury and the fights that are happening in October. Canelo's back. Hopefully, we see, you know, Javante Davis and then Shakur Stevenson versus Jamel Herring. Chocolatito uh, versus Estrada 3. Um, there's other fights that I'm forgetting that are, are not huge fights, but they just keep the weeks going and keep it churning out as it's a mad dash to the end. Who knows? Maybe by the end of the year, it turns out to be a good year uh, for boxing. It's been a rough couple
I'm out. See you next week. We break it down as always here on Inside Pockets.